Welcome to Resurrection Church Podcast. We are honored you are here. Without any further delay, here's the word. Book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And I'll need a little bit of light from the stage yeah, so I can see what's on this page. We're going to look, again, I know my wife preached last week on the gifts of the Spirit. I'm going from it from a different perspective today. We're going to still be in the first chapter or 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians. I'm going to read several scriptures there. I'm, if you'll bear with me, I'm not going to read the entire chapter. It's way too long, but that we can't miss any of this. I'm going to start in verse 7. It says, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit, and to another faith by the same Spirit, and to another gifts of healings. And that's proper. We'll talk about that briefly. Healings by the Spirit. Verse 10, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to another distinguishing of spirits, and to other another various kinds of tongues, and to another the interpretation of tongues, which we actually saw that this morning. And we've also experienced the prophecy part. And, and the one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing them to each one. Everyone say, say that, each one. Individually as he wills. For even as the body is one and yet has many members, and all the members of the body, though they are many, are one body, so also is Christ anointed or anointing. Christ is not his last name. <laughs> it's his title. So when he's here, his anointing's here. And, by, and, and for by the one spirit... We were all baptized in one, into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free. We were all made to drink of the one spirit. For the body is not one member, but many. If the foot says, because I am not a hand, I'm not part of the body, it is it not for this reason any less a part of the body? And if the ear says, because I'm not an eye, I'm not a part of the body, is it not for this reason any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? If the whole, if the whole were hearing, where would, the, where would the sense of smell be? But now God has placed the members, each one, say each one, of them in the body just as he desired. If they were one member, where would the body be? But now there are many members but one body. And the eye cannot say to the hand, I have, no, I, I have no need of you. Or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, it is much, it is much truer that the members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary. And those members of the body which are deemed less honorable, on these we bestow more abundant honor. And our less presentable members become much more presentable, whereas Whereas our one more presentable members have no need of it. But God has so composed the body, giving some or more abundant honor to that as senior which is lack. So, what's well, hard to read that one. I'm not going to teach all this, by the way, today. I just want to read it. A couple more verses. So that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care 
and that's important, same care for one another. And if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. If one member is honored, all the members are honored. Now you are Christ's body and individually members of it. I want to talk to you for a few minutes about something that's been, I've been praying for you. I've been praying for this church. I've been praying for myself. And the Lord has been driving this into my heart over and over again. I'm going to talk to you today about the church in general, but as it relates to us. I call this programmed but powerless. Programmed but powerless. Now let's get into this as Paul was writing to the church of Corinth. It was a brand new church. They were young. They were immature. They didn't have any church heritage or church experience. They had come literally straight off the streets and God had formed, formed this body of believers in Corinth. So they were growing, they were developing, but they were still immature and they had a lot to learn, much like the church today. They were basically babes at everything. Everything was brand new to them. They didn't know how to act or respond. And so they were totally clueless about what, quote, church should be like. Now, what, let's translate that to today. The theologians of today, these eggheads that are in the universities, are teaching our seminary students that they should disband for any belief in the activities of the First Corinthian church of whatever city you want to put it in. And so what they've done, they have taught the power out of the church. Because they, 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 they claim that they were ignorant, they were out of order, and that is not the case. Paul is simply teaching them how to love God and be fire chasers, by the way. So, so now what we have in the church in the United States is a programmed but powerless church. Now, I've noticed this in my many years as being a Christian. There are a lot of fads that come through the church. And I won't get into all of those, but one of those fads that has, that has bubbled up in recent years is how to grow a church quickly by using canned and programmed services that let people feel comfortable, but there's no conviction. They use lights, videos, they'll add multiple canned services. And you say, have you ever wondered why you'll see a church that has three services? Do you know why they have three services? In most cases, it's not because they need the room. It's because the fad is you can grow a church quickly if you'll give them one or an hour and a half separation to have three services, you can have more people and you'll grow the church. But is that really true? It may be numerical growth, but it's not spiritual growth. How can a person, well, I won't even go there. As you can tell, I'm rather passionate about this. So they use lights. They've been trained to use the, all the, now we have lights, we have video equipment, we, we use all the technology, but we don't use it for the necessity of, quote, growing the church. And they run on the schedule where you got this service and this service and this service. These are simply programs. But where's the power? Where's the power of God? 
Now, like I mentioned, these theologians, these Bible commentators have belittled, they belittle the Corinthian church because they perceive that it's just an immature church. And so they downplay now, they downplay the power of God and the use of the spiritual gifts and say that they're no longer necessary for the church to grow. Because they'll tell their people, well, if you have any of that, you're out of order. Now think about this. Most of you have never heard this. Uh, I, I did, uh, there was a man who did a survey a number of years ago, about 15, 16 years ago, a worldwide study of the churches all over the world and their experience with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the operation of the gifts, and the use of tongues. Outside of America, 85% of the churches endorse and confirm the use of the gifts of the Spirit, praying in the Spirit, praying in tongues, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. In the United States, it's totally reversed. 85% of the churches in America dispose of all of that because we are educated. We are culturated. We're the elite of the kingdom, but we're powerless. It's canned. Now, I'm saying this to help us get to the place where we don't do those things. So, how do we, and, and, and I'm coming to you today not as an apology, but just as an, as a, as a, an observation, even of this church. Many of you noticed, or maybe you didn't notice, uh, just a month or two ago, I started coming up on the worship stage. Did you pick up on that? Now, you know, I don't do things without a motive. The reason I did that is I felt like back then the Lord was speaking to me. He said, I want you to, I want you to open the door for my power to operate in the church when you come together. And as much as I love all the people in the worship team, they're absolutely awesome, we still need help to keep us from folding in to the mundane and folding into the, to the, the norm. I don't want us to ever be normal. Normal is not okay with me. I don't want to be normal. Do you? Not when it comes to spiritual things, right? I want to be, as the world and, quote, the church would perceive it, I want to be abnormal. I want to be biblical, but I, I want to live outside of that category of normal. Don't you? And so we're wanting, I, I know where I say the Holy Spirit is wanting us to break out. And that's why we're going to have this, this thing about the fire chasers this month and next month. And it will lead into our fasting on the Daniel fast. It's all God's plan. He wants to ignite us with holy fire where, where what happens in here is so impactful that it goes out there. Come on, I'm preaching, I'm preaching. Some of you may not be getting this, but th this is just what am I, is what's in my heart today. So the Lord wants us to, to stay away from programs and get the power back into the church. So my, my proposition to you today is that today, based on this scripture, the, spirit, the spiritual gifts are an absolute must for this church. And for it should be for every church in America and across the world. 
But we're just talking about us today, okay? We want, do you want the power in the church? Do you want the power of God being exposed and manifested wherever you go? See, the church, in fact, it says in verse 1 of this chapter, it says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, I do not want you to be unaware. In other words, he's saying, in fact, I think it's the King James says, I don't want you to be ignorant. And the church in America is ignorant of the power of God. In general, there are some great churches who are on fire for God, and I, I applaud all of them. But 85% are not. I want you to know, ignorance is not bliss. Here's some of the things that you've probably heard or been taught somewhere down the line in your life, and I was too. These, these are some of the misrepresentations. We need to be aware of them so that we we'll, can overcome them. One of the misrepresentations that I have seen and experienced that I was taught that spiritual gifts stopped at the end of the original apostolic age. In other words, as long as the original apostles were in the earth, there was a need for the power of God. But now, because we have the word of God, there's no longer a need for the power gifts. Can I ask you a question? The King James was not canonized till the 16th century. What happened between the first and the 16th century? There are books, there are historical books that have proven that the power of God, the gifts of God have been in full manifestation since, the, since Jesus left this earth and put it in the hands of his people. And so the suggestion behind this is, is that the gifts are no longer needed to authenticate the gospel. Because we have the Bible. Now, we want the Bible. We love the Bible. The Bible is the word of God. It is the truth. But that doesn't extinguish the gifts. The gifts are actually in here. We're reading it today. The Bible says that the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance or irrevocable. So you just can't put them aside. Some would explain and misrepresent the gifts and say, well, the gifts of the Spirit are human abilities. Like the word of knowledge or the word of wisdom. Let's say, well, that's when someone, you talk to somebody and you give them some good advice. Or, you'll or the word of knowledge, uh, you'll teach them something that you've been taught. Or the gifts of healings, they'll say, well, the doctors and the surgeons of the day, they can, they can do those things. And so you don't have spiritual gifts of healings. Any of you heard of, any of, you heard of these? Mm -hmm. This is one that was taught where I grew up. Only the holiest can attain to the spiritual gifts. The holiest. In other words, if you're a new believer, forget it. If you're not a theologian, forget it. Last time I said, I, I see no ex exclusions in this text. Paul was not writing to theologians. He was, he was not writing to Bible commentaries. 
commentators. He was writing to the church. This is one that really confuses me. And I've actually heard people say this from the pulpit. That the church can function without the gifts. They are luxuries or options. You can take it or you can leave it. I'll take it, my friends. If God has it, I want it. Oh, this is another one. I'll close on this. I've had this people say, you know, you're not supposed to seek after the gifts. That would be too prideful or presumptuous that you would seek the gifts of the Spirit. They haven't read the Bible. In chapter 14, Paul says, Pursue love, yet earnestly desire spiritual gifts. But especially that you may even prophesy. We'll talk about that in a minute too. So ignorance is not bliss. Not when it comes to spiritual things whatsoever. So you can put that aside. See, the church, as Paul is describing here, the church is the, church is the learning center for the gifts. This is the training center where we learn to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. Why? Because it's a safe environment. Let me give you an example. I went to ball game yesterday. Go LR, they won. Yay. It just so happens that we sit down, places had over 10,000 people. There wasn't a seat to be found anywhere. And we had reserved a seat. But anyway, there, were, there was this mom and the, uh, we found out later, apparently three freshman ball players who didn't make the traveling team, they sat down right beside of us. And so uh, I, I was talking to the one beside of me, but my attention kept going back to a fellow down on the other end, sitting on the stairs. And I had no intention. I'm at the ball game. I'm, we're loving it. It was great. It was a really good game. And, and the Lord would not let it go. I just, but this is what I did. And this is one of the, and I did, can I give you a little teaching? One of the best way to, that ways to operate in the gifts of the Spirit is pay attention to people. Take the time to look at them. So this kind of, this fellow kind of popped up. And I'm not within speaking distance of him. I mean, he's, uh, you know, 10 feet or 12 feet away from me. And the Lord, I'm just sitting there, I'm watching the ball game. And the Lord said, uh, he's out of position. Huh? Well, what do I do? I mean, this is only, this is like the beginning of the second half. And so I just sat on it because I'm not going to, I'm going to watch the ball game. I figured he'd probably watch it too. But anyway, and then after a little while, after I heard that he was out of position, and the Lord began to speak to me. He says, now tell him, I want him to, I'm trying to think of the words he used. I want him to um, reposition himself. That's all I had. So at the end of the ball game, everybody's leaving. And I tapped the fellow beside him. I said, would you ask that fellow over there? I need to talk to him a minute. Now, he doesn't know me from Adam. So he does. And the fellow comes over. And I look up at him. Big old boy. Big boy. And introduced myself. His name was Sam. I said, Sam, and I don't have anything else. I said, Sam, I don't know if you know anything about church. 
if you've ever been around church, but God obviously must love you a whole lot because he spoke to me about to tell you something. I just told him. And when I told him that part, his eyes went, boop. had his attention. Well, when, when I said it, then the Lord, you know, this is how the gifts work. See, what you have to do in a gift, first of all, you got to step out in faith. It took faith to say, I need to talk to you. Then you have to have faith to know that what, what I mean, I had nothing to go on. Just that little, tiny, little smidgen of information. And so I told him that, and as I said it, I said, you know, the Lord obviously has had a tremendous plan for your life, and he wants to do something extraordinary through you. He has a special, special plan just for you that's going to touch lives of many, many people. And his eyes got bigger. And Sam said, I was told when I was born, my grandfather said those exact words. He walked away. Now, I'm not responsible for anything else. He did. This big old giant of a man named Sam in public with people all around me, us, he didn't know me from Adam, hugged me and said, thank you. So see, these are how, why, these are how the gifts operate. Now, you just don't go out and do that. You learn how to operate in these things in the church, in a safe environment where if you make a mistake, it's no big deal. We all make mistakes. So we've got, so this is the learning center that Paul is talking about. So my thought to us today is that we need to come in here prepared for God to use us. We, yes, we've come to worship, but we should come in here saying, God, is there something I can do or say that would encourage or exhort or build someone else in the body of Christ and then actually look at people? Have you ever noticed some people coming to church and they, they don't want to look at anybody? When you come in, you ought to be scoping the place out. God, who is it? I want, this is one way that the Lord will, will do things. You can be standing around people, and the, it's like God will pop them up, like one of those bonker things at the carnival where you beat them. You know, they'll just, you know what I'm talking about? They'll pop up to you and say, you say, well, well, now most people say, oh, that's just me. No, it isn't just you. God's getting your attention. There's something about that person that God wants you to connect with him some fashion in some way. So we need to come in prepared like that because it says in verse 7, may I repeat it, but to each one is given the manifestation of the Spirit for what? The common good. In the house, the learning center, we are to participate. I looked it up. God is very, very interested in each one. He actually brings it up. It's, it's been accounted 322 times the Holy Spirit talks about each one of us doing something. In collaboration with someone else in the house. Now, it says a manifestation. That means it's got to be ours. It's got to be an expression. See, this is where all this stuff starts in the church, but it then goes out to the street. So when you go to work tomorrow, I'm expecting 
that God will bubble someone up and if you have the guts and the faith to step out on what little bits you have, go to them and speak to them and minister to them and let God use you in the gifts of the Spirit. We need to anticipate this. See, this is not being taught in 85% of the churches in America. Because they say this is out of date. You no longer need these things or they're human responses. It is not. These are the spiritual gifts, the power gifts of God to his church. In fact, in, in chapter 14 of the same book, in verse, 22, uh, verse 26, it says, When you assemble. Now that's in a life group in a prayer meeting, in the coffee shop, uh, back in the sound booth, up here on the stage, wherever you assemble, each one. Will you put that up there? I want you to read this out loud. I want you to say it. What is the outcome then, brethren, when you assemble? Now, one has the psalm. Stop. I want you to say this. When I assemble, I am in each one. I'm expected to put something into this. Okay? And it says it has a teaching, a revelation, has a tongue, interpretation tongue. Let all things be done for what? Edification. It's the common Good. Now, let me get, I'm, I'm, I know my wife talked about this. There's a couple of things I want to go back and reaffirm that what she said. And I didn't listen to the message, but I know she said these things. Concerning things like the word of wisdom. The word of wisdom is not good advice. The word is a statement from God to someone on how to appropriate knowledge that has been given or is made aware of. Period. It comes from God. The, the word of, uh, of knowledge is the same way. It's knowing something about, like, like the, now see, this is where, you, when God is moving on you, don't sit down and say, now, is this this gift or is it that gift? Or is it this gift? Because, you see, the most of the time, they're all intermingled. Now, in my little story, it was the word of knowledge because the Lord said that he was out of position. And then later on, he gave me another word, another word of knowledge. But the second part was wisdom. The Lord told him what to do. He said, I want you to reposition yourself or realign yourself. So now God has spoken wisdom to him about the knowledge he had just received. And so many, many, many times these gifts will be in collaboration with one another and, they'll, and they just flow out of you if you'll let him do it. I'm not going to ask you to do it because some of you might be embarrassed. But I'm sure there are people in this room, you've been in, the, in Christ for years and you've never really operated in a gift like this. You've got to question yourself and say, what am I missing why am I why, am I not observant? You know, I believe, for me personally, I think it's, it's our lack of love for other people. If we're so focused on me, myself, and I and my problems, I'm not going to pay attention to someone else. I'm not going to be interested in what their affairs are because I've got my own mess. 
But when we, when we give ourselves out and get an attitude that, you know what, I'm in, the, I'm in the picture with all these people. This is for our common good. And so when we get together, I should be expecting God to do something through me that will help them and challenge them. Are you with me? So let me also clarify this. In verse 10, it talks about prophecy. And this is, oh, man, the, the evangelicals tear this up. They'll, they'll equate prophecy with preaching. Well, you know what preaching does? That excludes 99.99% of the people because everyone else is, isn't qualified to preach. And it is not preaching. Prophesying is not preaching. The Bible makes it very clear that there is a declaration of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that is preaching. Prophecy is the foretelling or the foretelling of a future event of which the person delivering the message has no, uh, no information prior to that moment. In other words, you're speaking ahead to something else. It's a, it's a, uh, a prediction. It's a, it's a, it would, you, you would be called as, if you were prophesying, you would be a foreteller. It means to tell in advance, to show or make known the thoughts and the plans and the wisdom of God to someone who's not aware. It is not, say that with me, prophesying is not preaching. It all has to do with the future. Oh, that's another one. Can I go off a little bit further? I'm running out of time. Tongues. People have a problem with this. We'll get into this later on. Tongues is when someone speaks in a language they don't know. It can be a spoken current language or it can be an angelic language. Paul says it doesn't matter. They all, have, all languages have meaning. Now, there are two kinds. Two oper same gift but operate in different ways. There is the gift of tongues spoken of in this text, which has to do with the public exercising of the gift of tongues. Now, that requires an interpretation. Not a translation, but interpretation. I've, been, I've seen this happen. There may be tongues. It may go on for five minutes, and the interpretation may last 30 seconds. See, it's, it's, it's not translating, it's interpreting. By the way... Just so you know, Paul says later on that when you speak publicly in tongues for the congregation or in a group, then if you open it up for anyone to have the interpretation, but if there's no one there to interpret, you must interpret. So that brings order into the church. So I wanted to make that very clear that tongues is not some kind of acquired language. It is the language of the Spirit. But the bottom line is, he says it again, verse 10, 11, each one. In fact, let me look at that real quickly. I'm, I'm running out of time, but I've got to do this. It says, and the one and the same spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he wills. That word individually means to be set apart just for you. See, when God gives you a gift and by the way, you cannot, you, you might operate in these gifts with some similarity or re repetition from time to time, but you don't, have, you don't have the label for that particular gift. You're, you know, hello. Um, you don't have, in other words, if, if now I do operate in certain gifts more than other gifts, but we don't have, we don't have ownership of these things. It's as the Holy Spirit wills them. 
So you're not an owner of it, and, and just as quickly as one shows up, another one might disappear. It's okay. It does. That's the way God works. But anyway, the importance of what I'm saying today is that each one of us, church, we're going to move there. Each one of us is going to operate in the gifts of the Spirit. I prophesy over you today, I declared over your life that you're going to flow in the gifts like you've never flown, moved in the gifts of the Spirit ever before. God's going to put people on your radar. They're going to show up like blips on a screen and he's going to tell go there and go there and say this and do this. My friends, there is nothing more exciting than letting God use us. That'll get your spiritual motor going. It'll, it'll put you on a, a, being a fire chaser. See, the problem, and Paul, I won't get into all this, but in verses 12 through 26, this is what Paul is saying in all these things. He's talking about the importance of each one of us. See, this is, I believe he mentioned this because many, and maybe people in this particular church, many exclude themselves as not being important enough to have anything of value for the church. I believe some of you would agree with that. You don't believe that you count. You do. You matter. It's important that we as this congregation hear from God through one another. Never discount. Never exclude yourself. Never say that you're too young or that you're too old or you're too little this or too much of that. God wants to use you. Each one of us are of equal value in the eyes of God and we're equal value among one another. And we're important to God and we're important to one another. Tell the person beside of you, you are most important to me and to God. Most important to one another. Tell them, look at them, yeah, we need to break out of this thing. You see, what Paul is saying, he's saying, you know what? We may not be much by ourselves, but man, when we get together... When we get together, something great begins to happen. See, what this does is it's, it no longer lets us be independent. It makes us depend on one another. That's, and see, that's why when someone is missing, you get concerned. Because a part of the body is missing from you. I mean, wouldn't it feel, wouldn't it feel funny if you woke up tomorrow morning and you didn't have a little finger? You said, oh, where'd it go? And then you look down and you don't have any toes. And then you get up out of bed and you bump into the wall because you only got one eye. That's exactly what happens when the body has a missing part. You say, well, I don't matter. I'm just a little toe. My friends, I need my, I want my little toe. This is what Paul is saying in all this. He's saying that we, we, we are part of a resurrected body and we're important. We count and we matter and God wants us to be a part of this and, and to use ourselves for the glory of his kingdom. In fact, you are not less significant, you're more significant because you have committed to this local body. That makes you something special because all of us are part of it. In fact, in verse 19, I want to read this out of the Message Bible. It's really good. It says, no matter how significant you are, it's only because of what you are, what you are a part of. 
Can I say it again? No matter how significant you are, it's only because of what you are part of. In other words, we're all better together. Tell somebody, I'm, we're better together. Give them, give them a hug or something. We're better. We're better together. This is the whole work of the body of Christ. We're better together. I like that. That makes me feel so much better. We're better together. So we're dependent on each other. And that's, that's the synopsis of all that, that Paul said. And, and I'm going to wind this thing down. In, in uh, 1 Corinthians 12, 27, in the Message Bible, I'm going to read it from there. It says, you are Christ's body, and that's who you are. You must never forget this. Only as you accept your part of that body does your part mean anything. I like that. Wow. So, what are we going to do? We're going to step out. We got marching orders from the Lord. I don't want our services, our life groups, coffee shop, prayer time, anything we do, I don't want it ever to be common and ordinary again. I want, to, I want, us, I want God to be extraordinary among us. I want to come in here with, with my zip to doodah going because I know God's going to do something. You ought to get one of those too. They really work well. Zipty doodah. Zipty doodah, zipty day. My oh my, what a wonderful day. Someone want to finish that for me? No, no. <laughs> you see, what God wants us to do, He wants us to operate in these things. When we do these, when we operate in these gifts, it makes us better. We become more enthusiastic, more excited because we're putting into something. You know, and something else you've got to remember, it pleases God. Because the Bible says that without faith, it's impossible to please Him. And operating in the gifts requires a step of faith. And we're going we're gonna to have an invitation here for those who have never routinely operated in the gifts of the Spirit. Now, I know some of you maybe have had one way back when, but way back when doesn't count. I'm talking about the now and today. We're going to have an invitation, and we're going to pray over you that God would use you every day in the gifts of the Spirit. I want you to stand to your feet. Another benefit that by operating these gifts, it makes us feel like we fit in. And you know what? If we make a mistake when you're in the house, it's like, no big deal. And we make mistakes, don't we, human beings? We all make them. And lastly, when we step into our position and operate in these gifts, it helps this church mature and grow. It changes lives. And I can't help but remember this. And this is where, turn the music down just a tad, this is where we get from canned programs to power. The Bible actually says that without these gifts, the signs and wonders and miracles that follow with these gifts, without them, there'd be no church. 
not a real church. Let me give you an example. When we operate in the miraculous like God wants us to do, it always bears witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Always. Because he gets all the praise. It says in 1 Thessalonians, For our gospel did not come to you in words only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Hebrews 2.4 says, And God confirmed this message by giving signs and wonders and various miracle, miracles and the gifts of the Holy Spirit whenever he chose. My friends, if we're going to preach the gospel, we've got to operate in the power of the gifts. And Paul went on to say in the beginning of 1 Corinthians, he says, my message and my preaching were not in persuasive words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and His power. My friends, if we're going to preach the gospel, we're going to have to live it out and operate in these gifts. And so, this is, and so I want to officially apologize for you, to you, for allowing us to marginalize our faith and not operate at the level God has for this church. And let me, t can, I, can I tell you a little secret? And I didn't realize this as I was praying about it. Can I tell you my stuff? Uh, there was, a few years ago, there was a, a, a couple here at the church, and they left. And I, I, I really felt like there was a great call on their lives. And they, they told me that the reason was is because they could hear people praying in tongues. Now, they weren't opposed to it. They just didn't think you should be able to hear it, especially in a service. Now, what does that tell you? Now, so subconsciously, I began to, so to speak, put those things on ice. And just said, well, maybe we need to chill out a little bit. Maybe we're a little bit too obvious in our rambunctious faith in Jesus. And I think subconsciously I allowed that to go on and I think it affected the whole church. So I'm here to tell you today I'm reversing. From now on we're going we're to take the shackles off. We're going to take the bridle off. We're going to do everything decently and in order around here. As you know we are. But we're going to take the wraps off, and we're going to flow. And so I expect that when we come in together before a service even starts, that you're already prophesying. When you walk out the door, you're prophesying. You've got a word of knowledge. You, 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 got, you got a little three people together, and you had tongues. They had interpretation tongues, and somebody gets healed. This is what we want in the church. We want to flow in, these, in the power of the Holy Spirit. My friends, it's time for us to get back to the power of God and let Him use us. These are why these gifts even exist, is so that God can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Because you see, old Sam yesterday wasn't interested in my theology. Old Sam needed to hear a word from the Lord and know that God had spoken to him. Not a great hair man watching a football game, but God spoke to him because he told him something about himself that no one else knew but him. That's the power of the gospel. That's what will save souls. That will get people coming into the kingdom of God. It's, it's the exposure of God's glory and his power and his grace and his mercy, his miracles and his signs and his wonders right here. Man, I'm so fired up about this. I hope you're as fired up as I am. I release the spirit of prophecy, as the Bible declares, upon your lives. 
May everywhere that you go, may the spirit of prophecy overwhelm you, give you, may you have the eyes of the seer and that you'll see things that no one else is seeing and you'll hear things that no one else is hearing and that God would use you and put, put wings on your feet and take you to those who need to be challenged, those who need to hear the gospel, those who need to be encouraged, those who need to be healed, those who need to be set free and God will use you for his glory. In Jesus' name. Yes. Now, how, now there, I'm sure there are probably a couple of people in here today that says, you know what, Pastor? I want more. I want more. Maybe you're operating against every once in a while sporadically, but, but you're, you're not satisfied with where you are. I want you to come up here right now. We're going to pray. If you're, you're, just, you're, just, you're just not happy with where you've been, and you want, you want to get revved up, fired up, for the glory of God. You want God to use you. Just, it's Thank you for listening to the Resurrection Church Podcast. We hope you are encouraged and ready to win souls for Christ. For more information or to plan your visit, go to rc-hickory.org.